Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm here today with Chris Nicholson. Uh, we're here to talk about Better Call Saul, which is in its sixth and final season. Uh, this week was episode four of the final season. Um, I usually do these uh, radio and TV uh, podcasts, uh, radio and TV, TV and movie podcasts uh, with uh, my friend Rob Henderson. Uh, he does not like Better Call Saul. He liked Breaking Bad, but he said he tried to get Better Call Saul. Uh, he tried to get into it, and he didn't like it. Um, and I think he's he's sort of crazy for that. Uh, but you know, I can't force him to watch. So I've replaced him with an old friend of mine uh, for this uh, show named Chris Nicholson. And we're gonna we're gonna try to do this regularly. Um, we're gonna try to cover the episodes week by week. But we're gonna start here by sort of talking about the Breaking Bad and the Saul universes and maybe maybe making the case for people as to why they should be watching the show. Uh, Chris, how are you doing today? Great, thanks. So you, this is your first time doing any kind of radio or like a podcast or anything like that, right? Yep. Okay, cool. Well, well, you know, well I've always thought about doing a podcast, but just never got around to it. Okay, cool. Well, me and you, we know each other. It's a very interesting story. So we were law students at the same time. Uh, in the summer of 2011, we were both uh, 1Ls, which is you know, what we call first years in law school. Uh, and we worked um, at a uh, Washington, D.C. Uh, public interest firm called the Center for Individual Rights. And me, you and I were the only two interns there, although some, I think somebody joined later. But basically, um, we were... Uh, um, we were basically doing, you know, it's Center for Individual Rights. It's obviously a conservative um, public interest. It argued um, the Michigan affirmative action cases, I believe, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and Grant, was it both of them? Well, one or one or both of yeah, them. Yeah, I think it was both of them. And it was the Commerce Clause case, I think, Morrison. Oh, really? Okay. They did Morrison too. Okay. So yeah, a very you know, small but important firm. Um, and it's interesting because that, you know, that's when I started thinking about the civil rights stuff um, and around law school. And I learned, well, oh my goodness, all this stuff is interesting. And this has been my uh, interest ever since then. Um, you know, and this is why, you know, I'm doing a lot of writing on this today. Uh, I think it's important. Uh, Chris, you know, we, we were interested in the same issues. We, we, had, we had talks, we had lunch every day, uh, and we recently reconnected after, uh, you know, about a decade or so. So any, anyone out there you want to reconnect with, you know, there's no time like the present. Uh, and what we say, anything else, Chris, about, you know, uh, who you are and, and what you do. Um, so yeah, I went to law school. Uh, and right after law school finished, I started a PhD in philosophy. I have taken a winding path through the PhD. Basically, I'm not a big fan of academia. That's something yeah. you and I share. Uh, so so I've, I've taken a, a break from the PhD. Uh, I, I've been uh, writing some stuff uh, and basically trading stock too. But now I'm finishing up the PhD. Same path. Yeah, same path as me. JD, PhD. And then, and then other stuff. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not, it's not on purpose that it's not on purpose that Rob is a uh, half Asian and I replaced him with you who are also half Asian. That just, oh, that just great, happened great. to me. That had, you that know, I, to I know that you care deeply about diversity and representation. <laughs> we had to keep the demographic balance. No, you're actually the person I want to, I want to talk to about this. You're not a, you're not a token. Don't, don't worry. Uh, so, so, you know, we both like, you know, we both like this show. I, 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 you know, like everyone I know watched Breaking Bad pretty much. Very few didn't. And then of those who watch Breaking Bad, 
you know, if I ask them, do you better call, you, you, you know, do you watch Saul? It's about, you know, maybe a, a half to, or much less, maybe a third. Um, and me, you and I both really like this show. Um, and, you know, what would you like, if you had to make a pitch to somebody, if you're just sitting there talking to your friend and they liked Breaking Bad and for whatever reason, they never tried Saul or couldn't get into it. What would you tell them? So I, I guess what I'd say is, first of all, if you, if you just like the, the drug stuff, you still get that. And in fact, you maybe get it even a little bit better than you did in Breaking Bad. Like you get a deeper look into, into the, the, the cartel scene, you know, the crime. A lot of it is basically the backstory of Mike. And uh, there's another character uh, who's pretty good, Nacho. And, and you see yeah. more of the Salamanca family. So, mm-hmm. you know, if, if that's what you liked about Breaking Bad... Yeah, that's still you know a third to a half of the show in better. By the way, there's going to be—I should have said this at probably the beginning—but there's going to be a lot of spoilers here. We're not—we're not holding anything back. So if like we convince you to watch it, and then like you know you listen to the rest of the podcast, it'll ruin it. So maybe maybe if you're convinced, just go watch it and, and put this away for a while. But yeah, go, go. I, I was deliberately avoiding a little spoiler right there. No, we're, we're okay. So yeah, this part don't don't give any spoilers. But you know, after you're done making your pitch, that then yeah. then, we'll, then we'll get into so, it. So that's half of it. It's got all the same cartel drug trade stuff you like from Breaking Bad, except maybe even a little better. Uh, it introduces a new Salamanca, Volo, uh, and I think that most people think that he's the best Salamanca. And a, a lot of people, you gotta wait a few seasons to get Lalo Salamanca introduced, but what, once he's in the show... Okay, then- I think I think you're giving away spoilers. I'm sorry, Chris, but this is like, when you, you introduce a new character, like, I don't want to know ahead of time how important they're gonna be, right? Mike, okay. We know Mike is important. All right, uh, all right. Uh, Nacho, you know, is important from the start. Uh, well, anyways, by the time you get to that, you're going to forget because it's a few seasons into it. So, so just yeah, go ahead. Be careful, be careful with the spoils. I, I like to think how the way I, you know, how right. I understand what's what spoils something and what doesn't. So, so go ahead. All right. So I'll speak in generalities then. Uh, yeah. So the drug part is better, but the other half of it is just you know the same Breaking Bad kind of storyline. You know, Breaking Bad. Watch Walt slowly go bad. Here, you know, the gimmick is now you get to watch Saul become Saul. Uh, and this part, you know, basically, I think part of the appeal of this part is that Saul, before he becomes Saul, is actually in some ways a more compelling character than Walt is. Because Walt, you know, there's not that much good in Walt to begin with, I think. That's my mm. opinion. That's uh, interesting. But th- there's more good in in Saul, uh, and so there, there's more for him to lose. Hmm. So Walt, you know, I, I think was Walt ever good? He cared about his family, right? He didn't cheat on his wife. Um, was there at the start? Was there anything heroic or noble in him? You know, when you put it like maybe not, maybe he's just yeah. I think you make it like we see him go bad, but is he ever good? Yeah, like, it's it's more like you see the the false the false humility or the the self abasement. It's it's more like it's not quite like Saul actually becomes bad. It's more like he becomes himself during mm-hmm. that show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're saying Walt, Walt, yeah. right? Okay, uh, okay. So now from now on, we're not going to hold back with uh, any spoilers for Breaking Bad or Saul. So you know, go. Uh, go watch if you need to. Um, yeah. Uh, the, so, um, so yeah, that's, that's interesting. Now, Jimmy, well, Jimmy is a, okay. So Jimmy is a crook at the start. Um, Walter is at least not that. 
Right. So if you're comparing them, you're giving them like a total uh, score of morality, right? Um, so yeah, why isn't why isn't Walter better? At least at least not a scam artist. Well, I mean, if, if you just measure kind of goodness by like you know crimes committed, it's like univariate univariate no. analysis. Yeah, <laughs> from like a utilitarian point of view, if that if that's the the view you take, then I mean, yeah, Jimmy's like a small time crook from the beginning. Walt is a uh-huh. chemistry teacher, yeah. but as far as like how much they care about other people, you know, uh, random acts of kindness, you know, that kind of thing. Th- yeah. There's more kindness in, in Jimmy the whole the whole yeah. way through. Uh, Walt has a lot of a, a lot of pride. Uh, that's one of his defining characteristics. You know, if you just look back at the whole series, even at the beginning, you you, you can ask. When did Walt ever do something that was selfless? You know, and maybe there's a few times, but but not many. Yeah, except for family. I mean, except for family, which is yeah, like arguably for, uh, for Jesse. Yeah. So there's yeah, it's a very small constricted uh, space of um, you know of uh, uh, sort of people he cares about. He hasn't ex- expanded the circle in the you know Peter Singer sense. He has a very constrained circle, very primitive kind of you know uh, understanding. Like four people, you know, five people. He even hates his in laws. Like he hates uh, Hank for like not a really good reason. Like Hank is sort of you know annoying, um, and I you know I think he's actually a good character in the end. Uh, but um, you know Walt 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 uh, hates him. Um, just because I don't know, he's just too boisterous and maybe he just, you know, steps on his feet and, you know, that's basically it. Um, and yeah, there's no, like, and it, well, well, the weird thing about Walter is I'm wondering why he became a chemistry teacher. So you remember that scene where he's talking to those other guys and they're like, oh, they didn't do the startup together. So it seems like he was always much smarter or he had like, he could have done a lot more than just be a high school teacher. And he has like a lot of pride and he's like, you know, angry at these people who like ended up like, you know, uh, making it big and he did right. and he's, he's just making it. So like, what, but like he never expresses like. I'm passionate. I love my. He, you know, he is sort of passionate about chemistry. Right? He like really gets into it. But he he knows the the, the students are idiots. Like he doesn't like <laughs> he doesn't think he's not like an inspiring. Te- you know, he's like inspired by this stuff, but he doesn't have any delusion that like he's going to make them love it. Right? These these public school uh, kids in New Mexico. Um, why does he, why does he become a teacher in the first place? Do we have any idea well, as to that? Well, so uh, you know, there's it's the story of how and why he leaves Gray Matter, right? So that's the company he's kind of co-founding it uh, with Gretchen and Elliot. And I, my memory is a little hazy, but I think Walt was dating Gretchen uh, at mm-hmm. the start of that process. Uh, there, there was some fallout between them, and then she got with Elliot instead. Uh, uh-huh. And and I think this part I may be wrong about, but the fallout might have been that Gretchen came from like this this wealthy privileged family and Uh, and Walt always felt insecure about being with her. uh, Uh, So then uh, Gretchen got with Elliot. And then I think the story goes that that, that was part of what caused Walt to basically sell his shares in the company at the very beginning, sell them very cheap. And so then there's a scene later on in the series where he reveals like that every week he checks up on the share price. Uh, uh, So he's always resented missing out on that opportunity. Okay. Interesting. Okay, so yeah, I'm also going off hazy memory. The series ended around 2012, and I haven't. I've watched a, a clip here and there, um, but I, I haven't gone back and watched it. I, I for the for Saul, the final season, um, I did recently rewatch season one, season two, and then like the first episode of season three, and then a couple in season five. Just you know, so I'm going into this final season knowing uh, knowing and remembering a lot. Um, 
the um so you know jimmy you know i i think you know is he is he a good you know is he a good person at the start you know i think here's my here's my lesson from these two shows and i think they both have a very similar uh sort of thing that the that the producer is trying to tell you about, about the world and i think he he's trying to tell you that the correlation between being a good person uh and being likable and being charismatic and being somebody that other people want to be around, it's a pretty weak correlation, if not a negative one. So Jimmy and Walt, like I watched the first few episodes of Saul, uh, uh, Saul the first few seasons of Saul, and I, I, he's, you know, he's, he's, um, you know, he's a he's a crook, and he's always. Um, you know, and he becomes a lawyer, but he becomes a lawyer and he like has contempt for ethics, right? Like, like, you know, this is the interesting thing. So like, you know, it, it, it's, it's so brilliant because you, you, I go back and I watch it again and you barely notice it the first time you watch it. Like he's cutting a corner here. He's cutting a corner there. You know, he's fabricating some evidence. He's lying about this. Um, he's doing this unethical thing. And so like, and, and Kim is sort of horrified by this at the start. Kim is like, I can't know about it. But like at the end, Kim becomes like a bigger villain than, you know, than he is now right. that we're at the end of the show. But Jimmy from the start, um, sort of has, you know, contempt for, you know, normal people ethics and like, you know, and it's just, and so, so, but at the same time, so Walt is like the same. He's also like a likable person who, who in the end is selfish and you like him. I guess you like him. Um, you like him for his self-confidence and his, and his competence. You know, I, I, you know, why people, you know, like Walt, you know, I think, it, I think it's just something, I, I think it's just something like that. I think he's in his own reality. Um, and that exerts like a powerful pull on people. Um, but then on the flip side of that, you have these very, uh, you know, unlikable characters that turn out to actually be good. Uh, uh, the brother-in-law, Hank, what was Hank's uh, last name? Uh, Schrader. Hank Schrader. Okay. That makes sense. And, uh, and then, uh, in Saul, who, who do you think the unlikable good guys are? Because I have a, a view on this. Unlikable good guys. I mean, that's tough. I mean, who are the good guys to begin with? Okay. I mean, uh, maybe Howard, or or I guess Howard might come the closest. Yes, to I think it's Howard. I think it's Howard, and I think it's it's Chuck. Um, I will go back to those first seasons, and I, at the start, you know. Jimmy is likable and Chuck is not. So you want to take Jimmy's side when they argue. But everything Chuck says about Jimmy's like not having that, you know, the ethical standards and you know the uh, to be a lawyer. At one point, he calls him, you know, a a monkey with a machine gun. Um, he's right. He's absolutely right uh, about all those things. Um, and Jimmy just thinks that. Um, you know, his brother is irrationally out to get him, and like maybe you know he does. Chuck does have um, uh, bitterness towards Jimmy. Because, you know, like, you know, there's these great scenes where, like, you know, the mom at the uh, deathbed, like, wants Jimmy. Uh, his wife, Chuck's wife, is charmed by Jimmy. He, does, he doesn't like the fact that people like Jimmy more mm -hmm. than they like him. But, you know, that's you know, the grand scheme of things. That's not, I don't think, what's motivating. I think it's motiv a lot of what's motivating him is, like, he sees, like, Jimmy, like, should not be a lawyer and is, like, doing a lot of bad things. And then uh, uh, Henry Hamlin, I mean, he's, you know, the, a lot of, you know, his stuff is, like, he allows, um, you know, he goes to bat for Jimmy at the beginning. I'd forgotten about this when Jimmy gets work at Davis in Maine, right? He he goes to bat for him, and like Jimmy's surprised, and Jimmy like refuses to believe it. Yeah, uh, so it seems like now we're in season six. Um, it seems like uh, uh, Howard is is shaping up to be like you know the uh, the uh, Jimmy's antagonist, him and Lalo. He's got you know two two antagonists uh, left. Um, 
Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, do you have, do you have any thoughts there? Well, you know, Howard, How, Howard's a really interesting character to me. He's actually become one of my favorite characters because mm -hmm. when, when you're introduced to him at, at the, in the first season of the show, they kind of take care to set Howard up as the bad guy to Jimmy, the, the antagonist who's holding back his career. You know, there's this, there's this sad flashback where they show you, uh, Jimmy yes. in the mailroom, the, the day he like, you know, passed the bar, the throwing a party. Then Howard comes in, they zoom out, and they just show you silently from outside the conversation where he tells Jimmy that he's not going to get a job at uh, HHM. So, but then as time goes on throughout the first few seasons, you find out uh, like there's a lot more complexity to Howard. Yeah, like, and, first and, of and all, I don't you know find out that this, I don't know if we explicitly found this out, but it, you know, it was probably it was uh, Chuck who didn't probably didn't want him there. I don't remember if it was explicit right. or it's just. Like, but, it, but there was a few things where it's like Jimmy thinks it's Howard, uh, but it's actually it's actually Chuck. Yeah, um, you, you that find out that it's been Chuck the whole time forcing Howard uh, to, to hold. Uh, yeah, and, hold and Howard, Jimmy just, Howard just you know goes between the brothers and takes the, you know the hate from 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 Jimmy, right? And, and, you're and, and you find side, out that like, Howard actually really likes Jimmy. <laughs> He does at the beginning. Yes, yes. He's like, he does, I love this awkward thing where he goes, I call you Charlie Hustle. Like he's got this lame nickname for him. And right. like, yeah, he's just like, uh, <laughs> and, and he him. reveals I, that he reveals that when he's in court testifying against Jimmy. Uh huh. He, he, and and then, you know, I, I think Howard even likes Jimmy as recently as last season. I mean, he what, 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 what were you talking about? That, uh, the, the report, the, what, 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 what did, uh, got revealed by Howard about Jimmy? Uh, in the last season, uh, yeah, you know, talk about exactly. Hmm? Yeah, what what did Howard reveal about Jimmy in court? Oh, in, in court, I'm just thinking of the part uh, where he was testifying against Jimmy. Uh, Kim was was cross examining him, and basically one of the things he's trying to establish is that Howard actually likes Jimmy, uh, mm. and and that's when he says, "Oh yeah, I like Jimmy. I call him Charlie Hustle." No, okay. So he says Charlie Hustle again. Okay, yeah, I didn't, I didn't rewatch that again. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So there's a few Char the Charlie Hustle thing is just, I just, I love that. That's such a little touch, and it's funny. Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah. And, and then remember, Howard is even bending over backwards trying to hire Jimmy in the last season, uh, season five. Yes, yes. It, it, you know, this is, yeah. I mean, it's a credit to the show that I did not see this. I'm so blinded, and I think the audience is blinded by. You know, Howard, I mean, I, what is it about him that makes him sort of unlikable? He's reserved. I think people take reserve often for, um, I don't know, snobbery or like disinterest in other people. Uh, you know, I, th I think that's the, there's a, I think that's a common mistake people make. Um, and I think that's what's going on with Howard. That hmm. he's reserved. You know, he's kind of uptight, buttoned up, always professional. Yes, and that's not necessarily. Yeah, that's not. That's not necessarily. You know, uh, right? Yeah, and that's. But that's not necessarily like. A, that doesn't say how much you care about people or whether you're a moral person, right? But I think people take that as, if not immorality, like you know, there's something I don't know, something off, something unlikable about that, right? You know, I think Howard could potentially come across as insincere, the the way he's he's always got one one level, and that one one setting he's on. Is that yeah. he's happy to be there and and he, he likes you. Uh, he, he comes across a little bit as like a, a salesman. Yeah, but it's um, but it's sometimes for noble cause, like when he you know when he's defending you know Char Chuck, or if not noble, at least like selfless, right? He's he's uh, he's taking the um, the hate from Jimmy 
uh, to protect uh, Chuck, right? Um, and so, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's interesting. I wonder, you know, what, uh, and so Jimmy, I mean, Jimmy is also a salesman, but it, it's sort of in the sense that it's, um, you know, obviously, you know, a big salesman, but it's, it's in the sense of like, I am, uh, like you're in on the joke. It's so I think about like Jimmy as like Trump, like, okay. So politicians like all like lie to you. Right. Mm-hmm. And like, sometimes there's like a guy who comes around and is like, you know, this is all, this is all, you know, this is, I'm in on the joke with you. Like, I'm going to say like women, I respect women more than anyone in history. Right. Like, Trump says like stuff like this. And this is just so over the top. It's like hilarious. It's like, you're in on the joke, uh, with mm-hmm. him. Um, there, uh, there was, um, yeah, there, there, there was this great uh, uh, speech that Trump gave during the 2016 primaries at Liberty University. And it was like so silly, like the way he was talking about the Bible. He's like, oh, I love uh, Corinthians 2 or 2 Corinthians. And, but it's just like, it's, you look at that speech and it's over like the Bible. The Bible. He's talking about it like he's like, uh, he's like a vaudeville act, like saying like, oh, this book is like the greatest thing ever. And nobody is fooled by this. I mean, but it's, it's sort of, you know, it's funny. Um, and it, it brings you into the joke and he's, you know, respecting, he's, he's respecting them enough to pander. Um, he's not, you know, insulting their religion explicitly. Huh. It, it was this the speech where an interviewer asked him, like, what his va- favorite Bible passage was, and he was like, all of them. I, I just oh, love yeah, them all. Great, great book, book. Yeah, best yeah. book. <laughs> yeah, the, the, he did this a lot. So that, that was at the beginning of the primaries. I think this was, you know, this was later on. This was later on. Um, but that's Jimmy. I mean, that's Jimmy. That, that's likable. You know, that's likable. No, not everyone likes him. Obviously, Trump, obviously, but you know, some horrified about the, the people who like him. Um, they like that. Um, and then you know, Howard is like, you know, I don't know, Josh Howley or somebody who I think is like a very unlikable, like normal. Paul. Like he goes through the motions and like, you know, he. You're not in on the joke. It's like I'm here and you're there, and I'm going to you know, perform for you the way you want me to be. Like, so Howard's like, I'm going to be like, you know, professional, well, you know, well-established member of community, a good lawyer. Um, and like, you know, the politicians do this too. Um, and that, that, that rubs people, you know, the wrong way. Maybe they vote for you because like, whatever, you're the better alternative, but they don't become, you know, passionate about it. They see you as sort of a politician. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, these are interesting types with like, you know, uh, with analogs in the real world and other mm-hmm. areas of life. Yeah, you know, I, I think the way I'd sum up what, what's appealing about Howard's art to me is that he seems unlikable and he seems artificial, kind of. But as time goes on, you realize that he's actually pretty sincere most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. And I think there's this like ethnic thing where it's like, you know, he's, there's like, it's like, it's like, there's like a wasp thing where like us, those of us who are not wasps, you know, Asians are different, are different category, but like those of us who are like, you know, Southern Europeans or, 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 uh, uh, near Easterners, um, we're, we're more emotional and we're more direct Mm -hmm. and, the, the the norm for northern europe europeans and wasps and like you know jimmy and chuck they're irish and so irish are you know i don't know if this is cultural or, or genetic or what but the, the irish are tend not to fall into that code they don't they, they tend to have different personality profile uh than you know scandinavians or like you know uh uh you know high class uh high class british people um and so it's like you know, like Jimmy's like friend, his old friend from Cicero is, uh, is Marco, right? So he's got this, uh, Mex- this good Mexican friend. Um, I don't know if he has any other, does he have any other really, f- does he have any other real friends in his life? No, not, not really. Um, I, but, I don't remember Marco. Is he in the, the early season? No, Marco's the big fat guy. Huh. Don't the, the, no, of course you remember. The, like when they have those flashbacks to slipping Jimmy. 
Oh, okay. In the flashbacks. Okay. Yeah, and the guy who's falling, the guy who's uh, uh, who dies, right? Remember, uh, Marco, the guy where they do the scam where he's on the ground with the watch. Ah, okay. It's coming back to me vaguely. This, okay. This was- oh, it's funny you don't remember that because you remember things that seem to be. So yeah. So, so anyways, yeah. Marco was this like fat, like Hispanic guy who was uh, Jimmy's uh, Jimmy's old friend, right? So he's slipping Jimmy. Like when you have those flashbacks to Cicero, that's the guy who's always with him, who's always the fat guy, who's mm-hmm. all, the fat bald guy, who's always running the uh, scams with Jimmy. Um, but yeah, there's the, the ethnic thing. I think is is interesting, and it's it's, it's not sort it's not exactly there, but it's like it reflects. I think things you see in the real world. So, I mean, I'm not completely following you here on the ethnicity stuff. So you're saying that Howard is a bit off-putting because he comes off as like a stuck-up wasp? No, because he is a stuck-up wasp, basically. Uh-huh. Um, but he's not necessarily stuck-up. It comes across that way. It, but there, but there's a sort of, there's a cultural or, uh, uh, you know, an ethnic thing where it's like, there are some groups that are more reserved. Um, hmm. and, and, you know, like Howard, like Howard is an Italian, you know doesn't necessarily i don't think it works right i don't think maybe he is an italian but you know i don't, I don't know what he like what's ethnic background of the show is he could be he could be any any kind of european for all i know um but i don't know i don't think anyway, i don't think this is a huge part huge part of the show uh it's just the you know the individual types i think do correspond to some eth, you know ethnic uh c- categories it's also so but jimmy plays into this when he becomes jewish right and then he tells uh mm-hmm. uh you know he tells them they want a smart he tells walter the first time they meet you know they the criminals want a smart lawyer basically uh and that's how he convinces them he's smart the whole goodman thing yeah he, yeah, he, yeah. He, he's he's appealed to that maybe for the first time uh in, in one of the recent episodes uh, at the uh, the country club when they're trying okay. to show out. Oh, it's because it's the moment I said my name, Goodman. That that's when you started treating me differently. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So I mean, any other? What are what are your you know what are your sort of broad thoughts about sort of you know what the what the producer you know what what they're trying to tell us about just humanity or interpersonal reactions or life or, or anything broad like that. Yeah, you know, it's a good question. Because, I mean, so, so we know that kind of the formula they're following for both shows is showing you how a guy that's not that, not that bad becomes pretty bad. Uh, so that's kind of what we know. See, I, would, I would disagree on Jimmy. I, I think he goes from like, you know, the, the, if you're going to rank humans, he goes from like the bottom 5% to like the bottom 1%. <laughs> like, I think he gets worse, but I don't think he's ever a good person. But yeah, go ahead. Uh, we can agree to disagree on that. You know, uh-huh. and maybe, maybe it's because I kind of like him, you know, and, and, yeah. and you're saying that how likable somebody is basically That's has right. no correlation or an anti-correlation uh, with how, how good they are, how decent they are. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's Jimmy. That's Jimmy's charm. That, that That's that's what helps him get out of, you know, tough situations. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, you know, I, I guess I'm, I'm not completely sure what point the show is trying to make at, at its core. I, I think part of it is it's it's posing this question to us. Uh, and the question it's posing to us is kind of, is Chuck right that Jimmy was always destined to become a chimp with a machine gun as a lawyer? Uh, is Chuck right that, that this bad stuff at, at Jimmy's core was always going to surface no matter what? Or did moments like Chuck telling him that help make him that way? Uh, you know, was it destiny or, or was it kind of the perception of Jimmy as being, you know, a con artist that helped make him one. And I, I'm yeah. not sure that the show is taking a definitive stance on that, uh, but I think it wants yeah. us to, to be wondering about that. 
Yeah, it's um, yeah. What about you know? What about you know? Does does that tell us something broader beyond one man's journey? You know about sort of human beings. I think what's you know the likable thing is interesting, and I think it also like you know from the outside. If you're just reading like I, uh, like a broad outline of like what's happening in the show, you're like, okay, you can put these people into box. Like this is a criminal. This is a criminal A, and this is criminal B, and this is criminal C. And society basically treats them all like you know criminals. As and I don't think this show is saying that you shouldn't do that. Yeah, I don't think it's a. I don't think it has a, a liberal message on crime by any means. I mean, I think it's. I think it's actually you know it's attitudes towards crime and punishment and the law. We can maybe get to that, but I think it's you know conservative or or reactionary. Um, but at the same time, um, without falling into these sort of you know liberal ideas or liberal tropes about, you know, whatever, everyone is basically the same. It does have, you know, sort of moralistic uh, sense, but it, it really shows how, you know, you can go down a path like, you know, w- and every step of the path can look like not a big deal mm-hmm. um, or, you know, justified, um, you know, you because you, you are inside these people's minds. You get Jimmy's self-justification for every step of the way. And you get Walter White's self-justification every step of the way. And you almost, you're like them. You almost don't notice that they're becoming worse and worse. Um, and, you know, you don't have that for, say, Howard or, or Hank or something. You know, you would have a different perspective if you could see, like, you know, what these guys struggle with more, you know. Or maybe even if they were just, you know, maybe if you did see it, you wouldn't care because you, they're so unlikable. Like, you would just, you know, n- not sympathize with them uh, anyway. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's, you know, there's a episode where, um, I, I, it's, uh, uh, Mike, Mike is like, you know, the wise man of like, he's like, he's like supposed to be somewhat like fount of wisdom, deep wisdom, I think. And he tells, you know, Jimmy at some point, you know, we all make our choices. And I think this is like the most real that the show ever gets like this line where he goes, you know, we all make our choices and like every, you know, step you go closes off other steps or like, you know, it it gets you down a different road or or something like that. Do you remember the scene? Yeah, yeah, it's it's a recent one. He called it like the episode's called like Bad Choice Road or something like that. that okay, yeah. So it was the name of the episode. Okay, it was yeah. I I think that was the closest thing to the producer like talking to us, like telling right, us like right. okay, breaking the fourth wall a bit. You yeah, know, just helping us understand the series. Yeah, because it usually doesn't do that. I mean, it, usually it, it, you're figuring it out for yourself, which is which is which is what really what's really cool about it. But yeah, I mean, if if anyone does sort of like tell you how it is it's mike yeah so so like what do you think and and so yeah certainly it's showing us how you can be faced with all these small choices and make what seem to be reasonable decisions and be led you know to break bad basically uh do you think what do you think the show is implying about our degree of control over it is it is it kind of implying that it was destiny for these bad choices to, to happen or, or is there some kind of moralistic lesson, like, we can avoid it, you know, we need to stop, we need to draw the line somewhere and yeah. stop going down the bad road? Yeah, I mean, you know, is it is it destiny? You know, I think there is a, you know, it's hard to say, I mean, there is a deterministic streak. You do get characters who are oh you, you, by the way some another person who's i think likable or at least intriguing but also a bad person is gus fring i mean so i think i think that's mm. I, I think he also falls other falls a bit into that category you're you're enamored by him but you know he is a evil person now somebody like um uh so like to answer your question i think there are like there are prototypes of just bad people so like hector 
um, I think is the closest thing in the in the shows to like you know just an evil guy who you know has no redeeming qualities, just a, you know a sadist and a murderer, and you know just doesn't you know doesn't have any any uh, moral compunction about uh, anything. You know those those twins, those two little tall ball twins yep. who go around just like slaughter they you know they have no depth or complete they're just like right, evil right. There's nothing to them. you know i think there's one scene in breaking bad where like you know uh, uh uh hector treats them like he pretends to drown them or he starts to drown one of them and then like do you remember this he takes one of them and you know they're they're like back oh. when they're little kids he takes one of them and he starts drowning them yeah like okay maybe maybe hector had something maybe a little bit but that's like the only hint of like you know there any way uh you know there's any way you could sympathize with them um and then um like Lalo is interesting because it's the first time, you know, everyone you have to have some good quality, I think, to be intriguing because Lalo, the first time he did something good, I think was uh, the last uh, one of the last episodes where he killed those guys who were going to take mm. him over the border, but then he gives the money back. Right. Uh, the illegal immigrants. Yeah. Right? I was just thinking about that. Well, I mean, they're not illegal immigrants yet. <laughs> okay. Yes. The potential migrants. Yes, exactly. Uh, the aspiring uh, illegal. Besides, immigrants. You're supposed to call them undocumented. No, we don't. We don't. We don't do that on this show. We have we have a code. We have a, a speech code that goes opposite of normal speech codes, where we always look for the most uh, inflammatory way to describe things. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So that's I think is the first thing he does. That's actually you know. I, oh, and, and, okay. So and when that lady gets like he's obviously in pain when that lady gets killed. Um, you know when they when they go slaughter everyone down in Mexico, um, and then that woman. Um, that old woman who cooks for them, whoever she is, uh, he's like, you know, he's enraged by this. He's morally outraged by this. I don't know if that's like a big deal because it's like, whatever, he's morally outraged. Somebody got, somebody got killed. Uh, he killed, you know, he killed an innocent guy who wasn't in the game. That was a big thing, Nacho and Mike. So he killed the guy who wasn't, you know, quote unquote in the game. I guess this is like, this is like how you uh, separate him from like, you know, other people who might do bad things. Yeah. Uh, and, and those guys he killed, uh, I, I guess you'd call them coyotes. Uh the guys who are uh, going to smuggle the people across the border, you yeah. know, think of like what he killed them over. He killed them over what was maybe a few hundred bucks. You yeah. Know? And we really got no reason to think that the money actually mattered much to him. Yeah. Like it, it's more like he just, well, that was just his excuse that. to kill them. Maybe he wants, he thinks coyotes need to be held to a standard of ethics uh, maybe maybe that's it. Uh, <laughs> These are bad coyotes who do not offer Maybe he was trying to enforce a U.S. Mexican immigration policy. <laughs> no, because yes, those coyotes are bad coyotes. I mean, they were rude. They were you know whatever. They're they're providing a service. I guess they they have a right in their business to have no, no refund policy. But you know that. <laughs> that kind of yeah, it's, it's a pride thing. It's like, you know, I'm this big criminal who does all these things, you know. So, uh, yeah, so I, I can't be ripped off by these, you know, these nobodies. Uh, so, yeah. Um, so, are you know, it, it, yeah, I, I do think there is a deterministic streak here. And the interesting characters are the ones who have them pulling a little in each direction. So a lot of the people either fall into one category or the other, right? They're either really mm -hmm. evil, like uh, Hector and a lot of the cartel people, um, or they're, I don't know if there's like heroes and everything, but like people who are just like the rule followers, right? Mm -hmm. I think there's like Skylar, like Walt White, Walter White's wife is just a rule fall. Like, I don't know if she'll like sacrifice her, but it's just like, you know, something is illegal, we don't do it. Um, and maybe, maybe this is like, admirable like this is like how people should be maybe in Vince Gilligan's uh worldview it's like you know we're not uh this is a very sort of uh, 
you know, the people are not, you know, you can think of like, it's like a conservative outlook where it's like, people are not, you know, smart enough to go around figure out morality for themselves. So we have these societal norms and like the good person is just basically he who follows them. And so you have, I think that, you know, you have an actual heroic character who from the start is heroic and a good person. Um, oh, wait, who is that? No, I'm, I'm wondering, I'm wondering, maybe, maybe they're, they're minor care. Maybe Nacho's dad um you know who's always like he doesn't care about the consequences just says go to the police um no matter what right, uh, right doesn't believe in his son doing any kind of crime um yeah who else is you know is is, is sort uh, of by, the, by the way I, I think chuck is is the best example of somebody who's a rule follower i don't know if he's necessarily good i mean personally i, I wouldn't have seen anything to make me call chuck a good person but he's definitely a rule follower He's a rule follower. Uh, a lot of lawyers, I mean, a lot of uh, successful lawyers, I think, tend to be these kind of people. By the way, do you think I, you know, having been to law school makes the show more enjoyable? I think it does for me. You know, I hear them talking about like discovery and I hear them talking about, you know, statutes and, and all this other stuff and contempt of court. And I'm like, oh, uh, yeah, I know what that is. You know, a little bit. Well, to, to be honest with you, uh, to some degree, I'm learning stuff, learning stuff about the law that I didn't learn in law school, you know. Uh, Really, I just yeah. learned a bunch of constitutional law in, in law school, uh-huh. some, some other basic stuff. But uh, yeah. you know, it wasn't my education wasn't big on civil procedure. Yeah, yeah, the civil procedure. Well, I did well in civil procedures. I took two civil. We took. I don't know if we, I think we had two civil procedure classes required. Um, and uh, yeah, so I remembered enough of that um, to you know to to get to to be very interested in that stuff, but. Uh, yeah, we'll have to talk about. Yeah, we'll have to talk about sort of. It, I think it's telling us something about the legal profession too. Um, you know, I think we should uh, we should talk about that. But uh, but the yeah the question of like sort of um, uh, yeah. So anyways, so you have these evil types. You have these either good or rule follower types. And but you have like Hank is like Hank is not exactly rule follower. You know, he's but he's like uh, he's uh, he's um, he's still good. He does. He doesn't take bribes. He's trying to put the bad guys away. He's trying to protect innocent people. Uh, he's a jerk who like forces uh, Walt Jr. to like drink a fifth of vodka or something. Yeah. Um, but like you know, that's that's like you know the way he lives his life and the way he does. It. Or no, he stops him. Walt wants him to keep drink that fifth of vodka. <laughs> that's right. And then Hank Gang stops him from going too far. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you have these, and then the interesting characters, the main characters, are the ones who have a bit of complexity and are neither. The rule followers, nor the nor the monsters, right? You know, I, I think that I think that kind of the closest you get to somebody who chooses their own destiny in this show and chooses not to break bad, it's actually Nacho. Yeah, I, yeah. I think Nacho is the shining example of somebody who doesn't follow the arc that most of the other characters in both of these shows follow. I mean, take even Kim, take 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 Walt, take Mike, for instance, Jimmy. All of those are stories about them slowly breaking bad and, and being led into it. But Nacho is the, the closest we get to an example of somebody who kind of started out very far down on the path of, of breaking bad and, and kind of went the other direction and, yeah. and resisted the, the, the forces that, that were leading him uh, to, to basically do bad stuff. Well, I mean, was he like, did it was, but was it all self-interest? So like he kills, you know, he, um, Again, spoiler. You know, it was a shocking scene to me, by the way, when he mm-hmm. when he uh, uh, killed himself. Um, but it wasn't for some greater. Co- it was to protect his dad, o- right? Only it was. So th- this is like Walt doing things for his family, right? Um, 
does he at any point sacrifice himself for like strangers or like for the greater good or anything? It's like he finds himself in a terrible situation. Like Gus doesn't like him. So he like, he takes away, you know, the pills of Hector. And then like, I think the thing is Gus has that over him somehow. I forget how exactly this happens, but Gus basically won't let him get out of the game. But like, it's like, you know, it's, it's, it seems like it could be self-interested the whole time, right? He's, he's, you know, there's nothing. It's just like, he's in a bad situation and he's not like a good person. He just wants to go live a quiet life because, you know, he's stuck here and it's just like really, really bad for him. Well, you know, it, it's it's always kind of a tough moral question whether to call it altruism or self-interest when somebody sacrifices themselves for their family and friends. I mm-hmm. mean, it's kind of a mixture of both. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but uh, to, to a certain degree, Nacho is, you know, sacrificing his life uh, j- just to save his dad. Yeah. And, and th- th- there is something uh, selfless about that, yeah. even though, yeah, it's his dad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. Like, yeah, to me, the third, there has to be a higher standard. To, like, to sacrifice for your family is, like, the natural thing, right? Um, to do it for and, a and, you know, here's, here's another Here's another example. Uh, uh-huh. Towards the end of, of his life, uh, we see Nacho showing concern about not uh, not getting Lalo's, uh, you know, workers killed, basically. The, the cook uh, and, the, yeah. and the guards. You know, some of those people are just pretty innocent like like the the old lady who's doing the cooking there, there are yeah, at least yeah. a couple of times where it shows us nacho going out of his way to to try and make them not get killed by this yeah yeah great point, he, great he point. asks so, yeah. mike about it after it all goes down yeah yeah you're absolutely right so he gets that call and he says oh there's innocent people here and they just you know hang up on him. they don't care right he doesn't have to do that um yeah, I think I think you're com- you're completely right there. Um, you know what about Gus Frigg? What was the? I mean, what was that? So we can talk about the last episode. What was like? Who are these people who live with him? Like, does he have a family? Like, he he has dinner with Walt at one time, and he's like, oh, the I think he mentions the kids. He mentions the wife and kids. Some people speculate he's gay. That that was his partner. Oh, he's definitely gay. Oh, he's definitely, gay. Oh, he Gus, is definitely gay. I mean, remember, like this all starts. There's this flashback. Where he's with his boyfriend, uh, meeting with Don Eladio and Hector, and well, I see, young Hector boyfriend. kills his boyfriend. I thought it was just his homie. Why is he? Well, how do we know he's his, boy, his boyfriend? Oh, they, they were just very good friends. No, no, man. They, 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 I don't look know. it up. They were gay. Why? What, what was that? What was the, because they they call him they, at some point a Hector or somebody says like oh him and his boyfriend, which could mean like you know his friend that we killed. Like it doesn't uh, necessarily. Yeah, you know, I, I can't remember. It's been a while since I watched this i mean i don't remember do they show gus and the and the other guy the other pollo hermano do they show them kissing or anything i don't no, remember, I remember but that. I, I, I thought sure. that it was clearly established that they were in a relationship hmm. yeah i would have i would have remembered them kissing no I, I, there, there was not you know uh, there was not anything like that but then he does mention to I, I still remember this scene i watched this like you know the the breaking bad like you know 10 years ago when, when he has the, uh, it's at his house. He has Walt over for like dinner or something. Yeah. And he says, Oh, the wife and kid. I, does he say kids or the wife and kids? He either says the wife and kids or the kids are away. And then Walt sort of looks up and like raises his eyebrow. And I, you know, and then that's sort of the end of it. And I don't know. Like, does, is you know, this like the cover? Because he's, I, I, you know, I didn't remember that part. But so you're asking who these, the, this couple are in the house across the street from his. The house he, he walks over to under the tunnel. 
Oh, he goes under the tunnel and then he goes, and the, the, so the, the, there's like, yeah, who are they? Are they a couple? Oh, they're the black. I, I the feel black. like they're just some. They're just some couple that he hired to live in that house. They basically to to, to occupy it uh, to to give himself cover. Uh, so you know this this house is basically his his safe house. His safe house is right as, across the street from his regular house, and it's got to be occupied. And so these that's basically this couple's job. And uh, they're right. so used to it that they just live their lives, and then they go on living their lives as normal. Even when they walk into their kitchen at the beginning of the of this of the episode, and there's guys with the guns hanging out there. They yeah, just I thought keep talking their, about like I the homeowners. I thought that I thought one of them was their kids, and I said maybe maybe not because <laughs> they were all they, were, they all looked the right race to be uh, there because they're a white man and a black woman, and they were all uh, black. Maybe 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 not not even half. I don't know. They looked the right race to be the kids and young enough. I don't know. I don't know. I, I just thought they were hired guns. I just thought they were mercenaries. Maybe they could, they could be both. They could be kids and and hired guns. I I suppose. Um, yeah. And so this character, this is an evil character, right? Uh, he shows compassion and caring towards Jesse, and that's like what we're supposed to uh, like in uh, Breaking Bad. That's what we're supposed to like about it at Breaking Bad. You mean and he's that got the, shows that compassion to Jesse? No, no, no. Or Gus does too. What one does yeah, Gus yeah. do that? Oh, the whole thing. The whole thing. Basically, like Walt, uh, at some point, so in the, uh, a later, like a major storyline is Gus, and maybe he's doing this for selfish reasons, but he's trying to separate Jesse. He's trying to bring Jesse in and like isolate Walt. And mm-hmm. Walt does the thing where he poisons the kid um, in order to frame Gus for it to like end this, right? Um, but but uh, Gus. Gus is always taking care of Jesse. Jesse at one point asks him, like, you know, why are you doing this or something? And he's like, he's like Gus is like, you know, I like to think I see things in people. So like, it's a, it was a clear, you know, storyline that Gus was like taking care of uh, uh, Jesse, and maybe partly just to split up with Walt, but also well, like yeah. it seemed genuine. It was, I mean, a lot of it was just that he wanted a more reliable replacement for Walt, and he saw the potential in Jesse to be that. Uh, yeah. and I mean, this was really just he, he saw potential in Jesse to be a good worker in the drug trade, basically. Yeah, I guess you're probably right. I guess there's probably nothing redeeming about Gus. He's close to an evil character. Like, though, right? Gus, 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 and maybe Lalo, but mostly Gus, uh, he, he's about as close as you come to, to you know, a straightforward, cold-hearted bastard. Yeah. Except Hector. Hector, like, and, you know, the universe tortures him for it, right? He becomes, like, this vegetable who, like, watches his family die. (laughs) You know, it's like, it's like, you know, there's, like, sort of a cosmic justice, like, the worst character ends up in, like, the sort of the worst fate. Hmm. Uh, But then Hector sort of redeems himself by killing Gus, who's, like, also evil, but, like, you know, a more powerful, uh, you know, a more powerful character, particularly at this, at that point. Um, And then, uh, yeah, so... Yeah, so there's definitely moral types. There's there's a moralism to the show. There is a um, so Vince Gilligan. I haven't read a lot about him, but I know it's some in some interview he said he's more. He said he's quote I think he's quote something like more conservative than most people in Hollywood. You know, he doesn't want to you know go much further than that. Um, but yeah, there's no sense that you know there's there's no there's no moralizing here. So to have a show in 2022. Uh, that involves like a huge minority cast and not to have any lectures about, you know, racism or like, you know, you know, uh, you know, a society, the, you know, white society making them this way. Like there's not a hint of that. Um, and, you know, that's, that's quite, you know, remarkable in, in this day and age. Um, even Kim, to have a professional woman, 
um, who doesn't experience quote unquote like explicit sexism at any point. Like, there's never a point where uh, you know Henry uh, Howard and uh, Chuck are like, "Oh, you're a woman, you can't handle." Ha ha. Like, like any producer, like any normal Hollywood producer would like put that stuff in there, right? Yeah. Um, and there and there's and there's like there's none of that. Um, you know, if anything, you you see you see women, Kim's like yeah. male male colleagues always treating her with with a high degree of respect. I mean, that's kind of one of the things that characterizes Kim's relationships with you know with with say Rich uh, or you know with, with Ken. Like, yeah. th- there's always a moment where where she where she just comes into flat out conflict with with her male boss, and basically they back down and, and they respect her. And she's and she is also she manipulates them. Um, the, you know the uh, the day, uh, the last so the last episode the uh, uh, what's that guy's name that uh, guy from Davis and Maine? Oh, um, Cliff Cliff Maine. Yeah, so she's like using him to like you know uh, to um, uh, just to come and like he's excited about public service and she's right, just like right. using him to like frame you know Howard for this thing. Uh, and uh, oh, and Chuck too. So she she knows that uh, Jimmy switched the Mesa Verde the Ver- Mesa Verde addresses, um, you know. And and but she goes out of her way to like tell Chuck that he's like losing his marbles and like you know Jimmy's actually innocent, right? So from the start, she's covering for Jimmy for you know because she likes him because she likes him and for self interested you know reasons um, mm-hmm. this whole time. Um, so yes, you and actually you know I was I was tweet I was tweeting the other day that. Um, you know, yeah, the, the, the breaking bad, like there's only two female characters and they're both stay at, stay at home wives, um, uh, Skylar and then Hank's wife. And then somebody reminded me there's a third Lydia who's just like, yeah. you know, a, 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 a neurotic lunatic. Um, and so those are the only female characters like in, in the show. And then you have, um, uh, Saul, which is the only female, real female character, I guess, like the nurse, like, you know, the uh, Mike's, you know, whatever daughter-in-law, right. uh, and then like, yeah, it's mostly just Kim, and she is, um, you know, she's, you know, of average morality, I guess, but goes towards bad, um, and 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 goes bad in a very womanly way because she's influenced by, you know, she uses, you know, she's influenced by a, a charming man basically um, to mm-hmm. go down this path uh so hmm. the, the, the gender and uh, the, the gender uh politics of this i think is you know uh it to the extent it has any is is quite conservative for the current year can, can you elaborate on that part for me uh you, you think that kim goes bad in a particularly womanly way i'm not quite following you there so uh, so basically the uh, you know the idea is that women are sometimes influenced by charismatic men right Hmm. Uh, so do you agree with you agree with that that it's uh she's following she's basically following jimmy she sur- she at some she later surpasses him in uh in uh you know her sneakiness and her uh, uh her underhandedness like he doesn't want to do the howard thing and she wants to do it um but she's basically she's doing it for her own you know social climbing reasons but she's also doing it because She's being led by Jimmy, like through, like through, through a lot of the parts of the show, like Charlie and Howard are saying things like, you know, he's a bad influence, or he's like leading you in this wrong direction, or or like things like that, or things like that. Um, they never say she's going to go bad. They never say that, but they say like, mm-hmm. you know, getting involved with Jimmy, like they're giving her warnings about this, and mm-hmm. she doesn't listen. But that actually is what ends up happening. She's enamored with him, um, and she ends up following his lead and becoming more and more like him. You know. I, I think Jim, I, I think Kim is one of the most complex characters on the show. And I, I think that she's always had like 
hidden depths that the show is just starting to really reveal to us now. Uh, and so I, I think that we still haven't quite seen what what's going on with Kim. It's just starting to show the, us to that now because it introduces Kim. And at the beginning, we're supposed for for whole seasons in a row, we're supposed to think that Kim is just this straight laced, good person, rule follower, want, want, wants to protect the weak and all that. But I, I think that we are kind of led to believe that Jimmy is corrupting her uh, throughout the course of the middle seasons. But mm. I, I think as it gets towards the end of the show, you know, mm. season five and now especially season six, I think that part of what the show is trying to tell us is that it was fooling us, that, mm. that there was always this, this bad stuff, this, this sleazy stuff, this God complex that Kim had. And it's not that really that Jimmy corrupted, you know, corrupted her. It's more like he, he brought out her bad side. Hmm. And, and now her bad side is surpassing his, and, and she's the one corrupting him. Yeah. So I'm thinking back to like the first seasons. Is there are there hints of this in Kim's character? So yeah, I I don't know. I mean, you know, at some point, like because at the you have to go back and watch okay, the first few things that Jimmy does. You remember the pie videos that he made with that weird guy? Uh, yeah. That like. So like she's uh, that's the first thing he does something like you know illegal or like violates ethic codes and Kim is like I can't hear about this this is this right. is horrible um, but I guess it doesn't take much to corrupt her because when the Mesa Verde thing comes in uh, and it's to her advantage she co- she goes full full all in and covering for Jimmy um, and you know taking advantage of it and taking advantage of it and being the beneficiary you know of his of his actions. Um, you know, so and she, she always has this lead. This, this, yeah. You know, from the beginning, when, when he involves her in his scams, like the first one was like trying to get some drinks out of a guy at the bar or something. Like, yeah, Kim yeah, yeah. was never very to hard to convince. Like, she always just kind of went for it eagerly and, and you know, had, had this kind but of the, guilty pleasure. Yeah. So I guess there's two like prototypes of like how a woman like can um, interact with a man and like do bad things. There's the, you know, so there's, there's, but I think both interaction, both um, interpretations are sort of, um, are sort of consistent with, let's say a more conservative understanding of gender politics where it's not like, you know, it's like men and women have their own, like each have their sort of own skills and they can each manipulate a situation, uh, gain power and control in their own way. Right. Um, and so that, that's like one of the, the, what, that's what you're saying. It's like, you know, she's like, uh, she's like lady Macbeth. Right. Um, but she's more, it's more subtle than, um, lady Macbeth is right. Um, and then you have sort of, you know, so, you know, woman being a, like, a woman being better, you know, at so at the social games um, than men are, and also better. And where they really, where women often really stand out, is sort of, uh, you know, h- hiding their role. Like Jimmy is like obviously like a scam artist, hmm. um, and Kim is a person who makes you who you would never suspect that, uh, but she has that in her and is very good at it. Once she gets a taste that she can do this. Uh, she gets very good at it. So, look, what I was saying was more like a simplified, like maybe like you know, uh, uh, you know, 
Victorian era, like very uh, like simple understanding of, and maybe this is what what Howard and Charlie they have this kind of you know uh, uh, Chuck they have this kind of uh, you know paternalism towards her, like oh he's corrupting you. At one point, you know, actually Ch- Chuck does say that say that explicitly when he's confronting Jimmy about Mesa Verde, he says you know he's you're ruining this young woman or something like that, and then Jimmy goes yo what is this the 1840s um, or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, and so yeah, so so Chuck and Howard are actually you know your interpretation I think is. I think is onto something, and I think Char- Chuck and Chuck and uh, Howard are, you know, implicitly have my had my model, which is, um, which is like now now that you mention it, I think is is could could be wrong. Yeah, yeah, I think, I, I think right. that basically they're they're kind of you latched onto this trope that they meant to convey to us, but it was kind of supposed mm-hmm. to be a red herring. They they were kind of playing yeah. with us by making us yeah. think that, that it was the story of Jimmy corrupting Kim, you know, corrupting yeah. a good woman. Yeah, uh, and the other one of a scheming woman is also a sort of trope too. But you know, you're, these things are tropes because they're often you know have some basis in reality. But you can't you're you're not sure exactly you know which is which which one it actually applies in this case. Hmm. Yeah. So yeah, so that's 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 interesting stuff. It, the 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 gender stuff is really fascinating. I mean the uh, uh, you know the. Um, the yeah the race stuff i mean there's not a lot of race stuff and you know thank god for for that uh but it is a show with like a huge minority you know cast and with that like you know it's funny you you know when you go onto like netflix or hulu now it's like has like these sections for different races it's like comedy asian american pacific islander and then mm. i like there's like hispanic and i never see breaking bad or like better call saul there right in like the latino section which is like you know you would think it would you think it would fit there's obviously yeah. a huge mexican you know uh influence on the show um yeah well you know all, all, all the, i guess most of the protagonists are are, are are white guys i guess well not 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 uh nacho right nacho is probably the second or third most important character in uh better call saul uh it's probably it goes kim kim and jimmy and then uh and then i think lalo is probably you know, mike okay mike and then so yeah La- I mean, it's nacho you know nacho is maybe in fourth place um not anymore Sweet. Yeah, not anymore. <laughs> he was, but he's a. He, I mean, he's a major character. Those yeah, are the big four, character. right? It's it's. But even you know what? Even those you're right. Kind of we need we need to write them and and write Netflix and tell them to include it in, into the Latino representation. Category. Well, it's funny. Well, like, this is yeah. This is not. Uh, this is not. Um, well, maybe it's just too big for that. Maybe the ethnic categories are for like things nobody else would watch for any other reason, right? Um, and so it's like I love Lucy is not in the, not in the Hispanic section. <laughs> you know so maybe maybe it's that but i also think like you know the you know it's not you know there's no hint that the mexicans are victims and you know the white guys are are manipulating them or getting you know the, the people are individuals and they're good or bad if anything the mexicans are you know are criminals right um and the white people are sometimes scam artists like jimmy but you know uh generally less not violent if, if they are if they are criminals um i, I do think the show I could be wrong about this, but I think I agree with you that the show isn't particularly trying to tell us anything at all about race. Uh, well, I, I don't think I don't. Yeah. Well, y- you, you don't do, uh, you see, I, I don't think it's like, I, I sound like a leftist here, but I don't think you can have a show that is about things going on at the U S Mexico border is about ethnic crime networks and not have at least an implicit story about race. Maybe, you know, it's not the leftist story about race, which is what we think about when we think about like stories about race. Uh, but you know, the, the, you know, the idea that, 
you know, it's not like the characters are right. They're speaking Spanish sometimes. Sometimes they're speaking English. These people are assimilating into a different country. Um, they're uh, even if you say like that's seamless for them, and it's not that that tells you something about you know race, race and ethnic politics or something, right? I, I don't think there's like there's like a way not to have a some kind of ethnic or racial message here. Do you do you understand what I'm saying? Maybe not about more. It's not. It doesn't have a story where like white people are good or Mexicans are better. It's it's not like that simplified. Uh, but it is telling us something about society and the way these groups interact with each other. I guess the next question for me would be: uh, What do you think it's telling us? <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, but I don't know. I'm trying to liberal race is always part of the story. Tell us yeah, what, what role it plays in the story. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. If it maybe it's implicitly telling us that it's. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's implicitly telling us when we think about, we do think about it, you know, uh, too much because it is like, okay, so here's one thing. So Gus, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, this, this is like a conservative message. Like the, you're lucky to live in America. Like you cross the border and like, you know, it's a war zone. It's basically a war zone. And, and Gus at one point when the cartel comes to try to intimidate him at his uh, restaurant, he gives this speech to his like, you know, fast food employees. And he's like, uh, they're like, you know, he's tell, trying to tell them who they were. And he tells them some story about like how, when he was in, uh, you know, was it Argentina or Chile, wherever he came, Chile, I think, or, or Mexico. I don't I know. Think I think it was Colombia. Oh no, he, he's originally from, uh, uh, I think from Chile. Yeah. Because he mentioned the Pinochet, uh, government, I think, oh, okay. um, I think, uh, but, Anyways, but he was in Mexico at some point. He, he stopped in Mexico and he's telling his employees that like, this is America. So I don't have to pay them, right? The bribe. And they're all like, oh, yay. Like, you know, it's like he's inspiring them. So, it, you know, it, the message, you know, is like, oh, so like American law enforcement is very uncorrupt um, in, in the show. And I, I think it's, I think it's pretty close. I think it's, I don't think it's unrealistic, especially at the federal level, that the levels of corruption in American uh, uh, law enforcement are, are low. Mexico obviously is not like that. Like the federales are like, you know, they're bought off by Gusser or, or, uh, by the or by Eladio. Yeah, they're, they're always, you know, sort of one of the criminal gangs, right? Um, so this is, I don't know if this is about race per se, but it's about, you know, uh, nationhood and like geopolitics. And it's telling us something about like, you know, how things work in different countries. I guess my impression is that when it comes to, you know, who who's corrupt, you know, I, I think that they're just trying to portray it realistically. They're just trying to, you know, the cartel, the DEA, they're yeah, trying that, to that, give all those people, they're trying to make those people behave as they can to kind of create a realistic set of background conditions to run their experiment and their yes. experiment about how people would break bad under those conditions. Yeah. Okay. Yes. You think that you think that that's realistic. A liberal is going to look at that and say, they made the Mexican government too bad and they made the Americans too good. And they didn't show the systemic racism, which is the truth. If you, the truth, you would, if you were interested in the truth, that would be the background for the character development. You see what I'm saying? So it's like, it's, it's, that seems like truth to you. And so it seems non-political, but to somebody else, you know, maybe it is just truth, but like, you know, being on the side of truth, like, is, Look, is, th there's only so many minutes you have in a TV show. There, there's always going to be parts of the world that you don't show. I mean, look, for, for all I know, there's plenty of systemic racism or whatever in the Breaking Bad universe. It just doesn't tend to surface often in the drug trade. You, uh, to have shows with crime and without systemic racism is today rare. And it is a choice 
not to not portray. There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff. <laughs> I mean, there's six seasons. There's t- ten episodes per season. There's we're talking two series. I don't know. Breaking Bad was five five seasons. I don't know. You have a lot of time. If you thought if you thought race was like racism was an important force in society, there's a lot of time to somewhere at some point. Um, I mean, sure. I, I I don't think that they're. I I think a lot of people, given this much screen time, two shows, a lot of people these days probably would have gone out of their way. Uh, in some kind of awkward shoehorned way, maybe to, to yes. show you th- some some kind of moralistic, right. and that's interesting that it's different from what everyone else is doing, and that, that there's there there is a there is a politics and a worldview that that reflects. You know, it, it could be. Uh, I mean, it is kind of interesting that the, the the times when they come closest to that are when they're kind of satirizing it, and it's when Saul is, yes. you know, I'm Jewish, are you discriminating against me? That's kind of the closest they come to explicitly talking about a- any of this racism stuff. And those times when they do it, it's just used as like a sleazy trick that, that Saul is playing. Yeah, yeah, and uh, elder stuff too. It'd be like, oh, you know, this is elder. You know, uh, like it's 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 like, uh, you know, yeah, they, uh, yeah. They do a little some stuff like this. Um, yeah, you're you're right. You know, it would be very easy for, uh, um, yeah, it would be very easy for like to have a scene where like Nacho is racially profiled. Like you could imagine this, and then like you're supposed to wonder. Wait a minute. Is this why he was ordered to cry? <laughs> right, right. I mean, you know, a, a lot of a lot of shows these just... days would have gone there. They, they would have they would have just done the show exactly the way it is ninety five percent of the time, and they would have thrown in thrown in the yeah. scene where Nacho is racially yeah. profiled. But if anything, it's telling you like, look, you look, you see a, Me- a young Mexican man who has gold chains and like you know a shirt, you know a collared shirt with like the collar open and like you know a, a haircut like Nacho. Like you're right to be wary. <laughs> if anything, it's like you know what the stereotypes you know are are true. There's always in these shows. There's always like a guy who like dresses and talks exactly like the criminals. But he's profiled, and that's supposed to be like a bad thing because he's like not actually a criminal. You know what I'm saying? Like there'll mm-hmm. be a young black guy who wears like a hoodie, um, and then he, but he won't be a criminal. Mm-hmm. And then like somebody's like mean to him, and then it's like, oh well, I might as well be a criminal, or like I experience racism. And so there's 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 nothing there's nothing uh, like that. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I find I, this I interesting. Think, I, I, I think see. that the Breaking Bad Better Call Saul universe takes a kind of race neutral. Uh, Lens that is that's time. a political that's a that that is that is that is you know it's really like yeah we're gonna show you we're gonna show you drug addicts of, of all races yeah go to um you know go to your philosophy department in michigan and say i'm not political i you know i have a race neutral you see if the, the, the if they agree that that's a that's a that's a uh a, you know a non-political stance yeah, yeah. So. I, I i i know the argument you're trying to make uh, and if the point you're trying to drive drive at is that there's kind of a more conservative leaning worldview implied yes. by all of that, yes, I suppose I would agree. Just in the but it's not hard, you know. It, it's 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 more like you know, ten years ago, this wouldn't have been viewed as a political statement. Okay, yes, I, I think that they're they're I think they've just stayed in kind of the mindset that they would have had. 10 years ago. I mean, how long ago did Breaking Bad start? More than 10 years ago. Yeah. And I, I think well, they're just sticking the, in the mindset that, that, that yeah. they used from the beginning. Right. But they, but they did stick to it. I mean, and that is, that is notable. Um, uh, yeah. I, yeah. I think you're, you're right. It does reflect a conservative view on, on these things on, on, I think morality. And I think on race, I think on sex, I think, the, I think this is, this is a, this is a, you know, sort of a, 
uh, a common um, thread. And so it's, I, I guess what know, I want to add to that is that I don't think that it's some kind of intentional choice. It's more like a choice to stick with the mode they started in, in Breaking Bad at the beginning. They, they didn't, as the world changed, as the nation changed and kind of moved left towards identity politics over the last yeah. decade, over the last five years, I think that basically what, you, what you're identifying is simply that Vince Gilligan and, and the crew right. didn't choose to move with them well which they, is, they which is rare, in the mode they started which is rare and notable have you seen um have you seen the sopranos film uh the the, the film the new one like the many yeah. saints of newark i didn't see that no okay well, the, most I, of the sopranos but not the the recent okay okay so yeah i did a show on it with uh rob and uh you know i think uh uh David Ch Dave Chase is the guy's name, right? He he definitely well. There, there's controversy. There's a uh, some uncertainty about how much he was actually involved in the movie. But you know, it's it's preachy. It's woke. It's PC. It's absolutely terrible. And it did change from the time that Sopra the Sopranos was on TV uh, until the movie. So everything that comes out that's like a remake in 2022, like I'm you know I'm afraid that this is you know uh, gonna you know this is gonna happen. And then but Breaking Bad, you know, our the the, the Saul universe did not move and. It's notable. I mean, it's it's different from other things we see on on TV, and and it it has a perspective to say race is not that important. Is also a perspective. You could say that that's like the true perspective, or that's the non political perspective. But it, you know, it is a perspective, and you know, I, I think we should acknowledge that that is like you know that is a worldview. But I, I think it's the correct worldview, and you you think it's the correct worldview too. But it is. Um, you know, we can, we, we, I don't think we should just say, oh, that's the neutral thing. It's like, it's our opinion. Right, right. We'll, I know you're making the argument that there basically is no neutral point of view. Uh, like, well, if you attempt to take a neutral point of view, that itself is a political stance. Um, no, not exactly. It's like you're tr you're trying to get everyone thinks that they're trying to get a truth, right? Like the people who make whatever show, uh, think of the wokest show you can imagine. They think they think they're going to get truth, if not literal truth, and some deeper uh, truth about the world. Um, and of all the people's different truths, one of them is going to be correct, right? It's like, you know, maybe like out of like a thousand different uh, views on race in, in America or whatever. Um, and I think the Breaking Bad view on like race and gender is closer to truth. And I think you agree with uh, us, but I don't think we can say that that is there. The, the, the view that happens to be the true one is the one that's non-political, right? That's not, that's not how I look at it. It's, it well, doesn't you know, I, I guess, make a non-political view. I guess basically... What we seem to be disagreeing over is is you seem to be trying hard to, to say that the show is making a political statement here. Uh, and I, I t I'm trying to take no, no, I don't think I don't think I don't think so. I, I, so I, I don't think, you know, like what the producer intended, I, I don't think so. I think it reflects a conservative which could which the conservative view is often, you know, does not give a lot of thought to race. Or, you know, I think it's I think it's just that they they had a kind of a, a pre-planned story that they were trying to tell. That's one of the things that's always characterized Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. You, you feel like it's all pretty tightly plotted from the beginning, and, and they're just kind of sticking to their guns. And, you know, for, for all I know in that world, there's, you know, systemic injustice in, in the cr criminal justice system. You know, Asians probably still aren't allowed to get into Harvard <laughs> the same way other races are. Uh, you know, it's just not part of the story they're they're focusing on. If you have, yes, but 
you know, there's all there's all kinds of things the show does have commentary on. Like there's commentary on like uh uh you know like old people. There's a lot of commentary on the legal system that you know I hope maybe we could still get to. Um, you know, there's commentary I think on American business, on American and you know Mexican institutions. Well, maybe that's like you know that maybe that's not maybe that's just you know the background. Um, you know, it, it, there's a lot of there's you know there's a lot there. Um, and you know, a nursing, you know, nursing home and like people taking advantage of elders and like, um, you know, there's a, uh, you know, so there's, there's a lot there and there's a lot of time and, you know, it's a choice not to, to have, you know, a racially di- you know, diverse cast, which is not, you know, forced in most cases. I, I think the Gus Fring, I think there's artificial diversity put in there. Um, the Gus Fring gang. Um, but you know, it's a choice. Uh, yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure if, I'm not it just sure. seems to me like like you're trying kind of hard to take your favorite shows and say that that the guys making them are on the same side as you politically. I think that's. I don't think I'm trying hard. I think that a leftist who's. Uh, I think this is a. You know. I think that this is a. Um, I think this is notable. I think to look at you know it, it's like a Christian. It's like okay, if you're reading a a book from the Middle Ages, and like every book in the Middle Ages starts with like a pin to you know the Holy Spirit and God, and then you find a book that doesn't do that and just talks about geometry or whatever. I don't know if books actually did this, but I'm just I'm just using this as an example. Like that is part of the you know being interested in the book. That is part of sort of you know that is worth sort of discussing, right? Well, you know. Maybe. Uh, I just don't think it's a major part of, of it all. And, you know, like if, if, if the news came out in, in a, some article that, that Vince Gilligan, uh, n- next year, Vince Gilligan is marching in like in a BLM protest, I'd be like, whatever, that's a little bit surprising. But, uh, you know, okay. not- I would be very surprised. That's a, maybe that's our difference. I would be I would be very surprised. Uh, okay, I would, surprised. I, I would be somewhat surprised. But, <laughs> you know, to, to me. It's just. What about women's march? Would you be more surprised or less than a BLM one? Uh, maybe I don't know. Pretty similarly, but but look, here are the facts. I guess I agree yeah. with you that the the kind of non that there is no particular PC or woke, woke worldview expressed in the show. The few times where it does mention that, it's in like a satirical context. So look, I agree with you that. The show's politics, in a sense, are a bit to yes. the right of the average show these days. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And we've probably spent, because of our, I guess, disagreement, we've maybe spent, uh, or I don't even know if we have much of a disagreement. We've spent a lot more time on this than I think that the race issue in itself uh, merits, uh, relative to you know how important uh, it is in the show. Um, but yeah, I think it's, I think it's there, and yeah, I think it's interesting. Um, so the uh, yeah, so the uh, the the legal profession thing, you know, it, I, to switch to switch topics. Um, tell me, do you have do you have thoughts on this? I could tell you, I could tell you what I think, but it is, I think the show does have a does have a message on that too. Oh, why don't you go ahead then? Uh, so you know, there is. Um, you know, so the, the you know, I you know, our society, and this is something that I've always uh, sort of thought, gives a lot of power to to lawyers, right? Lawyers, like a lot of the legal system, rests on good faith and people following the rules. Like, you know, like oh, you have discovery, so you don't lie. You know, you actually give them the documents. You know, they they want. I don't know. I, I never practiced law, but my impression from talking to lawyers and you know, be to 
law school is like people take these, you know, all these rules seriously, right? Like they, like the average lawyer, even if he could like burn documents and that could be like, you know, uh, in their self-interest, they tend not to do that. Right. Um, and I think that's reflected in the show that these people do have an ethical code. Um, and Jimmy, when, you know, I think, you know, when he, when Chuck says, you know, he's a, he's a monkey with a machine gun, we can debate whether, um, uh, Jimmy is a monkey, right, or a chimp, or whatever he is. But the machine gun part, I think, is true. That you, if you have an unethical lawyer, they can do a lot of mischief. Yeah. Um, and it's saying something about society that most lawyers don't do this and are, you know, generally well-meaning people. And this is also, I mean, I get it. This is maybe a thing like I would think is political. And you would say, no, it's, it's just the background, but I would say, no, it has a, it has a story about American institutions, um, and the, and the, you know, the upper class, whatever the professional class that runs them. Um, but yeah. And, and, and Jimmy is sort of his power comes from like his, his charisma and also his lack of moral scruples uh, with this power that you know, society gives lawyers. Right. Yeah. Uh, I think that the show does kind of take a kind of an optimistic uh, view of, of lawyers and it kind of takes care to show us that, that there, that most lawyers have a certain decency uh, no matter which side they're on. You know, it's kind of nice. I especially like the times when it shows us the interactions between the prosecution and the defense. Yeah. And, and you, you'd always, especially like when you see Jimmy uh, interacting with Bill, uh, Bill, the prosecutor, uh, the guy who's always having trouble with the vending machine. Yeah, yeah. The, and, yeah. And, and you see that there's like a mutual respect be- between the sides here. And it's in some ways, it's kind of a... I mean, it's a view of the legal system, of the adversarial system that might strike some people as naive. Like the, the show shows it like, oh, yeah, we're, we're, the adversarial system, we're, we're all, we're, we're, fu- we're put, pitted against each other, but it's just so the truth can emerge. You know, we're, we're all working on the same project at the end of the day. We're all officers of the court. Uh, yeah. And, and that's actually uh, an attitude that you see expressed uh, in kind of, I think, the most recent episode where suddenly... Jimmy shows up to court and mm. everybody is cold to him, you know, yes. security guard and, and then uh, the, the clerk and, and, yeah, and then Bill, everybody. And it's basically because everybody thinks that he's kind of broken the code uh, that, that he's basically, he's failed his duties as an officer of the court. You know, they're kind of, they're all universally pissed at him because, because, they they helped they they thought that they were embarked on some like common noble project that he betrayed. Mm. Yeah, that that is that is a good point. Like so, there's like okay, so there's 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 a sense of fair get, fair play, right? You're uh, you try to get your um, client, you know, the best deal possible. You try to get them off, um, but then you. Uh, uh, you don't you um, you don't cross a line, which is like now. So here's something interesting. So I went back and I watched the first uh, uh, episode where uh, uh, Jimmy is, appears in Breaking Bad. Um, and do you remember that? Like, so he's def- he's defending uh, Badger, right? Yep. So Badger gets picked up, um, and Walt comes in, pretends to be Badger's uh, uncle or something, and. Um, Walt offers him ten thousand dollars. Offers Jimmy ten thousand uh, dollars to not to um, basically like throw the just make sure Badger doesn't talk. He doesn't care what happens to Badger, yeah. but it's basically he doesn't want him to talk because of Walter Walter White. And it doesn't show Jimmy rejecting the bribe, but he goes back to the car, and then Jesse is like, 
that guy rejected a bribe like that guy like Saul so like he there's a there's still a line that even Saul um, in Breaking Bad uh does not like when he's defending a um, a client yeah um you know he's 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 got some loyalty to the client he's not just going to take a bribe Uh, it's an interesting point about Jimmy and, and I'll say an interesting point about Saul like that that is a line that we never see Saul cross like to him that there is one one important professional rule that is unbreakable you don't betray your client and and Saul I don't think that Saul ever crosses that line I, I think yeah. that Saul even when he becomes Saul he always does think like hey if we've entered into an official arrangement and, and I am representing you that's really my job that's really my goal uh, yeah so he always cares about his client's interest no matter how how bad he gets does he ever have an opportunity like does is it ever in his interest though to not uh besides rejecting that bribe i mean is is there uh are there a lot of instances where he has that opportunity because usually they you know he has he has a uh self-interested reason for maintaining a reputation though sometimes the best way to maintain a reputation is to actually be the person um Right. So he wants a reputation for being the guy who's always going to be loyal to his clients. The best way to do that, I guess, is to be actually be loyal to your clients, um, no matter what. Yeah, uh, but you know, there are ways, you know, you could you could sacrifice, make a sacrifice here or there. Uh I at least I had the impression that this is really a matter of principle. It's like the one principle that Saul has left. Yeah, yeah. I think you're I think you're right. Um and you know, it's it's always he's always you know one thing I think that makes him an like a maybe not the worst person in the world and that gives him a redeeming quality is that if he doesn't take advantage of the very vulnerable, like the elderly, like you know he goes when he goes when he goes back to Marco who who you don't remember but hopefully you know hopefully you go back and watch uh, he says you know I'm working in uh, elder law now and then Marco is like oh you're ripping off old people that's awesome he's like no no not not ripping them off you know help, trying to help them and so he you know he doesn't take advantage of of old people. Um, you know, people like, you know, the, you know, uh, uh, you know, they, they feel sorry for people like Mike has this too. So like, you know, who he doesn't remember that guy with the Hummer, the guy who's selling drugs to, uh, selling the, whatever Oxycontin or whatever it is to, to Nacho, um, he could rob that guy like easily or do something like nobody does because he's like so pathetic. Like everyone feels bad. Like Nacho does steal his baseball cards, but like, that's the, you know, that's the extent. Right. And that guy actually ends up like. Uh, he ends up like not getting like, you know, he ends up like, okay, like in the show, because like nobody wants to hurt him because he's, he's so pathetic. Um, and so, yeah, there's, there's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of this. Um, yeah, there's a, this is a, so the, the client, when he comes to Jimmy is in a vulnerable state, he doesn't know anything about the law. He's a yeah. criminal, right? And so th- that would just be taking advantage of someone. And that's wrong. That's like, and, and you know, the people he rips off, you know, you know, there's always like the people who deserve it. So the, um, so like, yeah, the, the guy, uh, you know, there's this one scene where, uh, uh, you know, they're, they're always like, so by the way, I, I, I went back and I saw the, um, the guy who they, the first guy, you mentioned the first guy they ripped off the guy for the drinks, you know, mm-hmm. he was in Breaking Bad too. Do you, do you remember this? Uh, no, no, I know they keep doing that. So do you know that, remember the scene? where uh walt just sees this jerk go into the gas station and he's talking on his phone he's like oh yeah i'm so awesome you know i you know that i i made i made a million bucks today or whatever and then walt just sets his car on fire no i don't remember 
Ken, his license plate is Ken wins. Huh. Uh, but oh, it was yeah, that. Guy. Yeah. yeah. So oh, it's the yeah, same exactly. guy. It was, I had to go back and watch. It was the same guy. Yeah, like, like, what are the odds? It's like, it's like uh, some of these coincidences are too, uh, the you small know, world. <laughs> it's too much. <laughs> yeah. So, the, but it's, it's funny. It's the same guy, but like he plays that role in both shows. He's like the Mark who deserves to be ripped off. And he's, it's not like he's a bad guy. I don't know. He doesn't do anything. He's just arrogant and like, you know, he's rich. He, he's, he's, yeah, he's, he's, he's rich enough and he's like powerful. Like he's, he being robbed is not going to like destroy his life or something. And then Walt just blows up his car. And it, this is such a funny scene because it's just like, like Walt has no relationship. He just like sees him and he's like annoying. <laughs> He's just talking a lot on his cell phone. So he goes and just blows up his car. I just thought that was just like such a funny, it was like a very, very Walt thing to do. It's like, yeah. I, just, I hate this guy and I want to blow up his car. <laughs> yeah, so like the things that annoy him about people are, and you know, the actions he takes based on that is really uh, funny. But yeah, the point is that's the flip side of that. There's like some people who are either too weak or like too sympathetic to deserve, you know, being taken advantage of. And then there's these marks who like sort of have it coming to them. Either they're in the game or they're just like, you know, I guess right. finance boys or jerks. Or something. I mean, it's kind of like the rule in comedy. It's like Jimmy seems to follow the rule from comedy that you punch up, you never punch down. Yeah. And that, that's kind of uh, one of one of the principles that, that, that sticks with him. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's right. Um, yeah, I think that, I think that's right. And I think this is, I think this is the difference between like the, the, the semi bad people and the really bad people. So you remember when Hector, um, when, uh, Mike robs, um, the, uh, truck from the cartel and then, uh, yes, Nacho, what happened and Hector shot the guy in the face. Do you remember there was a good Samaritan? Yeah. Um, yeah. and then, you know, we don't see this, but that's what he says. And so that that's Hector, Hector and Lalo. Lalo uh, kills some random guy. I, I forget what the reason is, but he kills somebody who's who's not in the game. Yeah, uh, yeah. you mean the, the guy at the uh, you know with at the with the videos he was trying to look at. Uh, yeah, something like that. Yeah, whatever. Lot of Lalo's like original murder case. Yeah, his murder case was. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, so having this code is what separates the semi bad people uh, for the real. Now with the semi bad people. They their semi badness or their unwillingness to you know I guess follow rules or follow uh, normal people ethics does often get a lot of people in trouble. So like when Walt gets that uh, janitor uh, sent to jail because he's yeah, I don't remember because he had uh, marijuana on him or or he, he was the one he was Walt framed him or let him get framed or something um, for uh, for something and then he went a few months in jail um, and then the uh, and then the other thing. Um, uh, and then the uh, Mike, when he robs the cartel, that good Samaritan gets killed, which we just we just talked about. Um, and the guy gets killed too, the tr- truck driver who who you know because they thought he was in on the uh, uh, robbery. Um, that's where he's trying to snipe. He's trying to snipe Hector, but he can't get the shot. Uh, and and so like the lesson is like there's actual consequence. Like these people don't. Mike doesn't want to kill people, right? And uh, mm-hmm. Jimmy, you know, Walt doesn't want to frame this guy or whatever uh but you know there, there's downstream consequences of them you know choosing the life of crime even if they try to do it in an ethical way it's a balance they cannot maintain they cannot maintain their way like i'm in the criminal world and i'm just going to do things in a way that doesn't and end up uh, harming a lot of innocent people yeah you know i i think that it reminds me of this this uh famous line from the wire uh a man's got to have a code uh, I think that is kind of a worldview that, that Vince Gilligan seems to be exploring at some points. You know, he's trying to reveal to you 
that some of these characters really do have codes and and he's showing you how they're they're trying to follow some parts of the code force them to to sacrifice others and so that that's one of the things that we're supposed to to watch you know their effort to maintain some kind of code and, and i think at, by the end of everything the only the only part of Saul's code that he has left is that you defend the client yeah that's and it's a very you know it's it's a very kind of this is the part of the whole universe that strikes me as most naive is is its cheery attitude towards all lawyers. <laughs> it's the cheery attitude towards lawyers. Does it? I mean, is it? So, you know, there maybe we don't see the lawyer like but there is like a concept of like the ambulance chaser. We know that's like a prototype. So I mean, but so Saul is a lawyer and Saul is a successful lawyer, so you can't exclude him as like part of the legal profession, right? Um are there other characters uh, who are like him? Uh, no, you're pretty much right. And, and you know, the way it portrays like American capitalism and like uh, business people too, this is another thing we could have the same discussion we had about race. Like you would say, oh, it's just a background. And I would say, no, it's actually, you know, notable and something different than uh, what most people uh, say. Um, I guess I can say that about your lawyer thing too, but I, yeah, I won't, uh, yeah, we don't, we don't have to, uh, do we that, don't, we don't need to, yeah, yeah, re rehash, but it's, uh, um, yeah, the, the legal profession. Okay. So I, I guess I did see some things that were a little bit more, you know, maybe not so optimistic. Uh, so, uh, yeah, like, so like Sandpiper is obviously like, you know, a, a standard, like, uh, corporate pro prototypical corporate villain. Um, and it has, you know, it, it's like, and, you know, lawyers do stuff like, bury each other in like discovery right so there's like there's like you know uh, there's like socially acceptable ways for like lawyers to officially follow the rules and and so you know the sandpiper case the fact that it drags on for like a hundred years because the lawyers are just like you know they can't just get these people their money and like this is how jimmy and kim justify to themselves like starting to break the rules right um to, in order to get the settlement i mean this is if not lawyers are not bad people maybe the, you know the, the rules they follow often lead to pathological results. Like you have this, you know, class action suit and, you know, the, the, the old people die before they ever get their money. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's the, the evil is like, it's not, it's like, this is, this is why the part of the, why this, you know, the, the series are so good. It's like, it's like good people, and then uh, this is like a left wing sort of a left, left wing idea too. But it's true in this case, it's like good people following rules, doing the things that incentives make sense in their incentive structure, but lead to bad results because there's something. Uh, there's what something, do you call uh, it? Systemic injustice. Systemic and systemic injustice. Yes, it's it's a broken system. It, it, there's misaligned uh, incentives, right? Um, this is. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's giving liberals and like the liberal view of race too much credit to, to say that that's 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 what they're doing. I mean, I think that's the most sophisticated uh, version of you know. I mean, look, uh, I, I think it is. I think that is part of the show's worldview. I, I think you're right. It's just trying to show us how, it, it, like, it makes most of the agents in the legal system basically well-meaning, you know, for the most yeah. part, uh, and it shows us how this can lead to uh, pathological results. Somehow. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right, and. You know, they're trying to do it like they, they can tell the difference between like a criminal who really deserves it and like a kid who just made like a bad mistake like you know it's like you know the different actors like can tell the difference i think that's i think that's realistic too but yeah, yeah you know, know one thing that's kind of interesting about all this is like the interactions with the, with the prosecutors 
here's here's one thing i'm not completely sure but this i'm not sure how realistic the show is here because every time we see we see jimmy negotiating with a prosecutor it's like oh you know the kid he's just a kid what he did wasn't that bad and you know the prosecutors we never really get the impression that the prosecutors are trying to throw the book at anyone and this i'm not sure how realistic that is because I, i think that my impression is that in in the real world, there are plenty of times when the prosecutors don't care if he's a good kid, you know, and they just want to get as many convictions as possible, uh, throw mm-hmm. as many charges as possible. Yeah, but I, I I don't know if that's true because the, the I, you know my understanding is the legal system is somewhat um, is somewhat overburdened, um, and they're making these choices over all the time as to as to like who really deserves who needs to be locked up for the cause of public safety and who doesn't. Um, yeah, I, I don't think that, that you, because actually throwing the book, if you have you if you've ever looked at laws, you know it's like oh, literate like up to like three years in prison. I mean, laws are really often written in ways that you know if you really wanted to throw the book at everyone, you actually could. I don't think they do that, and maybe in part because like there's only so many hours of the day, and you can't put everyone in prison for life. You don't have like the budgets or anything or anything to actually do that. Um, so I, yeah, I don't I don't know. I have no experience in the criminal justice system and so yeah, I, don't you know, know. I, I don't know know a ton about it maybe, maybe that really is how prosecutors are maybe prosecutors really are swayed sometimes when when you tell them he's a good kid yeah well they might I mean they must be because there must be some interaction there must be back and forth uh between the prosecution and defense and you you figure the uh the public defenders i mean they have a collaborative relationship with uh uh, you're right. That's another thing about Jimmy. You know, he, he does work for he does work for his uh, he does work hard for his his clients. Um, okay. Yeah. This was yeah. This was great. I mean, if people have made it uh, this far, um, and you haven't seen Breaking Bad or you haven't seen Saul, and you listen to all those spoilers for some reason, um, if your memory is as bad as mine, you're not going to remember anything we said. You're going to have the general impressions of what we talked about, but you're not going to remember details of who killed who or who died when or, or whatever. Uh, so, you know, if you made it this far and you haven't watched the show, I would recommend, uh, you still do that. Um, anything else, you know, that you think we, we should talk about, about the breaking bad universe, uh, before, before I let you go. No, we've got plenty of time left. I mean, yeah. you know, in, in future episodes. Okay. Sounds good. Okay. Chris, it's, it's, it's been fun until next time. Yep. Good talking to you.